0: Welcome to Come Follow Me with Bree, episode 189, More Than Conquerors. Hello. I'm so glad you're here. I hope that that little tagline, how I've chosen to open my episode, never seems trite to you guys. This past week, I had somebody that I know approach me and tell me that they enjoyed last week's episode, and it was just so nice to hear from somebody because I really, (laughs) it's kind of funny, but I really, for the most part, I have no idea who listens to me. All I can see are numbers, but you really aren't numbers to me. I don't know who you are. I don't know your story, but one of my favorite things, and actually all of my United States numbers are awesome too. And I love looking at that and just picturing the fact that you guys are all just real people living your life, being a member of the church and trying to do your best just like I am. Um, but it's really fun for me to see other countries around the world because the numbers are so much smaller that I'm like, oh my goodness, four people in Japan listened this week. And actually I have a fair amount of listeners in Germany. And I just love seeing those smaller numbers because it feels even that much more personal where I can just picture you as an individual. So I really truly am glad you're here. I thank you for being here. I don't know that actually i do know <laughs> this is not the most official um information packed scholarly come follow me podcast all i am is a mom with four kids kind of drowning sometimes and preparing a podcast every monday depending on and depending on what mood i'm in sometimes it's really thorough and sometimes it's really historical and sometimes i do a lot more um scholarly reading about it and sometimes a topic just tickles my fancy and I talk about it. So I really appreciate that you guys are here for whatever I have prepared for you. And again, I want to remind you of a goal that I have that I am just um, kind of scared of. I would love it if you guys would pray for me for the goal I have to be able to get permission from the church to read the Book of Mormon um, verbatim just like I did with the New Testament um, chapters this last December, just like I did with, well, I technically did this without permission from the church. I did for the third Nephi chapters for the Easter challenge that president Nelson gave us. I would love to do a separate podcast from this one where I just straight up read the book of Mormon and that's all no commentary. And I just think it would be so cool to be able to, read the Book of Mormon along with a podcast and have so much more vocal inflection and just excitement than the robot voices that the church app has, which I'm not trying to knock that. I know that they have to do it really perfectly, but I would love to do it in a podcast format that's a little less formal and a little less perfect. So pray for me that whoever ends up seeing my request on the church's end, that they will be inspired to... Let me do it and to go through whatever channels and whatever things that they need to go through in order to get me permission to do that since the church owns the copyright to the Book of Mormon. So, okay, I'll stop rambling. Let's get on to what we're going to talk about. So surprise, surprise. Speaking of this being an imperfect kind of unofficial podcast, I'm going to talk about last week and I am going to get to this late week's content. Um, But I can't help myself. I read last week's content and then I have things to say. So I'm going to talk about um, the part that struck me the most during last week's content. And last week was Romans chapter 7 through 16. But the part that struck me the most was Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 28 through the end of that chapter. It's incredible. It is so good. Paul is such a great I was going to say speaker, but I guess he's writing here. He's such a great writer and so great at explaining things in such an impassioned way. So let's start with verse 28. He says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Who is that? Who is called according to his purpose? You are. Anyone who chooses God. Anyone who lets God prevail is chosen for his purpose. And because of that, Paul tells us that all things work together for good to them that love God. Do you believe that? When you read in the Doctrine and Covenants section 90 verse 24, where it says, Search diligently, pray always, and be believing, and all things shall work together for your good. If ye walk uprightly and remember the covenant, wherewith ye have covenanted one with another. Do you believe God? Do you believe Jesus Christ? who cannot lie, who always fulfill their promises when they say that all things will work together for your good. That's hard to believe sometimes, right? When really terrible things happen. It's hard to believe for me, especially when I think about people who are in horrific situations around the world, that those things could possibly be for their good. And I think it's, it's just one of those limiting parts of our human mortal brains right now, where our perspective just isn't grand enough. It's not, it's not far reaching enough where we can see, see the good. I do know from personal experience that trials, I have talked about them before on the podcast, but trials that at the time, if you would have told me that that was going to be good for me or good for those that I love, I would have wanted to punch you in the face. But after gaining even just a little bit of perspective just within this mortal life as that trial abated a little bit i started to see how it was good for me what it has brought to my life how it has developed me into a better person a better parent and i can now see that ultimately it was working together for my good but it didn't mean that that's what i wanted to hear in the moment all right continuing verse 29 for whom he did foreknow meaning you he fore Knew you. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. That is your destiny. That is something that you are working toward. It doesn't happen magically. That's something that you will develop over time, but that is ultimately your destiny. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Have you ever noticed in the Book of Mormon, before Christ was born, that redemption is spoken of in the past tense, as though it had already happened, it already had taken effect? The atonement is eternal. It covers everything before the, the actual timeline, physical act of the atonement And I like that Paul here talks about, he says, justified. That those that are called, those that choose God, those that love God are justified. You are already justified. Your salvation has already been worked out. And all you have to do is accept and continually use the atonement. And as we use it, we are already redeemed. It's already happened. He's already paid for it. We are already justified. And because you are justified, you will be glorified. Not glorified in a way that is is prideful or so great because of your own accomplishment. You are glorified because of the supreme act of Jesus Christ. You are glorified in him because of him, not because of yourself. General Christianity is often bothered. By our doctrine that we can become joint heirs with Jesus Christ, that we can become like him, that we can become like the Father, that we can create worlds ourselves and become gods ourselves. But what greater expanse of the glory of God and the glory of Jesus Christ than to expand the glory of their creations to the fullest measure? That is what exaltation is. It is glorifying the Father To its fullest extent. It is honoring and valuing and quantifying the atonement to its fullest measure, not putting limits on it. It is honoring the truth that the atonement is complete and eternal and unlimited in its capacity. So much so that imperfect people like you and like me who make mistakes, big mistakes, and yet because of the atonement, Because of its complete wholeness, it can make us so whole that we can become like the Father, like the Son, that we can become gods ourselves and create worlds without number. It's because of the atonement that the promises that we receive in the temple are even possible. And when we put limits on ourselves, when we don't truly believe, that god is telling us the truth when when he says that we are completely forgiven and that we have endless potential we are showing a lack of faith in god's capacity in god's ability to fulfill his promises we are showing a lack of faith in the grandeur of the atonement so paul has said here that all things work together for the good of those that love god that he knew you before you were born That you were predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. He then asks, What shall we then say to these things? The things that he just said. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? That is a legitimate question. As you join forces with Jesus Christ, as you join forces and take advantage of the gift of the Holy Ghost, as you are doing your best to follow their direction, who can be against you? Now, of course, that question doesn't really mean there won't be people who are against you. But do they stand a chance to God's ultimate plan for you? No, absolutely not. 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That goes right along with what we've been talking about with exaltation. God did not spare his own son. The plan that he put forth and created required that his own son be sacrificed and suffer and die in humiliating yet glorious condescension. If he is willing to give us that, if he is willing to make that his plan, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That is what the Father wants to give us. He wants to give us all that he has. 33. He asks another question. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. The cross-reference for the word lay says, accuse God's elect. So let's put that in there. Who shall accuse God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Elder Holland gave a talk in October 2017 called Be Ye Therefore Perfect. And in that talk, he quoted a story told by Leo Tolstoy about a priest that I think just goes perfectly with that scripture. He says, in that regard, Leo Tolstoy wrote once of a priest who was criticized by one of his congregants for not living as resolutely as he should. The critic concluding that the principles the erring preacher taught must therefore be also be erroneous. In response to that criticism, the priest says, look at my life now and compare it to my former life. You will see that I am trying to live out the truth I proclaim. Unable to live up to the high ideals he taught, the priest admits he has failed, but he cries, Attack me, if you wish. I do this myself, but don't attack the path I follow. If I know the way home, but am walking along it drunkenly, is it any less the right way simply because I am staggering from side to side? Do not gleefully shout, Look at him. There he is crawling into the bog. No, don't gloat, but give your help to anyone trying to walk the road back to God. I think we've all been guilty of that sometimes. As we watch someone try their best and yet fail, like we all do, to walk that path perfectly, I think we especially do this to our leaders where we hold them up to such a high standard, and then it shakes us if they make mistakes, even big ones. And in doing that, we forget that God has justified them. That doesn't mean that they didn't do anything wrong. It doesn't mean that they don't need to repent. It doesn't mean that there shouldn't be consequences. But never ever forget that Christ has already paid for whatever error they made, no matter what it is. And it's our job to count that as complete. Because ultimately, when we're looking at another person, it doesn't matter if they have accepted it or not. You still need to believe in the Savior when he said he already paid for it. And do yourself the favor of allowing them to move on, to improve, to change, to grow. Allow the path that they walk in your mind still be the right path, even though they're staggering from side to side. Whenever I read about church history and imperfect decisions and leaders, that's what I think about. And it, it almost, actually not almost, it strengthens my testimony When I read the scriptures, the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, church history, and I read how imperfect all these people, all these heroes are, because that was why they're here too. They were here to stumble and fall and then rely on the Savior. And how myopic of me to think that that is the most important part of their story I should focus on. Verse 34, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Only Christ can condemn, even ourselves. We have no business condemning even ourselves. Who are we to say that our story is over? Who are we to say that we are too far gone? Who are we to say that anyone is too far gone, that they've done too much? Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Can any of that separate you from the love of Christ? No. Verse 36, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. The footnote for that verse is abundantly victorious. We're not just victorious. We're not just a conqueror of sin and death. Through him, we are more than conquerors. 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Many years ago, probably 15 years ago, I wrote a quote next to these verses. It's from President George Q. Cannon. He says No matter how serious the trial, how deep the distress, how great the affliction, God will never desert us. He never has, and He never will. He cannot do it. It is not His character to do so. He will always stand by us. We may pass through the fiery furnace. We may pass through deep waters, but we shall not be consumed nor overwhelmed. We shall emerge from all these trials and difficulties the better and purer for them. In April 2016, Elder Holland commented on that quote. He says, now with that majestic devotion ringing from heaven as the great constant in our lives, manifested most purely and perfectly in the life, death, and atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can escape the consequences of both sin and stupidity, our own or that of others, in whatever form they may come to us in the course of daily living. If we give our heart to God, if we love the Lord Jesus Christ, if we do the best we can to live the gospel, then tomorrow and every other day is ultimately going to be magnificent even if we don't always recognize it as such. Why? Because our Heavenly Father wants it to be. He wants to bless us. A rewarding, abundant, and eternal life is the very object of His merciful plan for His children. It is a plan predicated on the truth that all things work together for the good of them that love God. So keep loving. Keep trying. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Keep growing. Heaven is cheering you on today, tomorrow, and forever. I testify that those things are true. If I have learned anything in my adult life, it is that the gospel is a joyful thing. It is not something intended to be scary, to be overwhelming, to be stressful. You know the song, Peace in Christ by McKenna Hickson? I love how she says, when you know him as he is, there is peace in Christ. And that is the understanding that I hope you come away with Today. The gospel is joyful. Your sins are already paid for. You are already justified. All you need to do is take advantage. All you need to do is accept the gift and believe Him when He says that you are forgiven and that your potential is beyond your imagination. When we sin, when we mess up, repent. That's it. Repent. Ask your bishop for help if you need it. That is what they are there for. God is cheering you on. He wants you to become who you can be. That is His whole work and His glory. That is His goal. And who are you to say that He cannot do that in you? I want to end by reading the verses that we've just studied, without all the interruptions. Starting in verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. For whom he did foreknew, he also did predestinate, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them also he called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, if God be for you, who can be against you? from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I say and believe these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.